Welcome to the Gem of All Mechanisms podcast, where we interview those in the know from academics and computer scientists to policymakers, philosophers and more about the effects of 21st century tech on us all. PCS, the Chartered Institute for IT, supports people who work in the industry and wants to make IT good for the whole of society by shaping policy, influencing change and raising educational standards. Gem of All Mechanisms from BCS, a podcast talking to people in the know about the complexities of 21st century tech and how it affects us all. In this episode, we're speaking to Cecilia Harvey about responsible leadership in technology, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, and building a culture of trust. Cecilia Harvey is the Chief Executive Officer of Hive Dynamics. With over 20 years' experience in finance and technology, Cecilia is an advocate for responsible technology leadership that seeks to inspire, evaluate and disrupt global businesses and communities. Graduating from Wellesley College in Wellesley, Massachusetts, Cecilia was soon captivated by the energy of Wall Street and the lure of a career in banking. After working her way up in the banking industry, her roles have since included being the COO of Citigroup Markets and Securities Services Technology and positions with Morgan Stanley, Barclays Capital and IBM. Cecilia's recent achievements include being featured in Forbes magazine 2019 as a leading lady in technology, a 2018 We Are The City Tech Women 100 winner. Cecilia is also the founder and chair of Tech Women Today, a professional organisation focused on connecting and advancing women across various areas of technology. Cecilia, as a CEO and an entrepreneur in technology, you've led organisations and started numerous projects and worked with many other leaders as well. With all these opportunities and experiences in mind, how would you describe what it means to be a tech leader? For me, being a tech leader is really about demonstrating responsible leadership. So I, I really think that the days are absolutely gone of not being accountable for the impact of your technology. Uh, the days of, of being hands off are, are over. The days of being silent on social matters are over. So this isn't just for technology. However, because tech, not, because tech is such a fast growing industry and because technology has such an impact on everything we do as individuals, as businesses, as societies, it's important that our leaders are responsible in terms of how they evolve their technology and, and also how they lead their teams. I, you know, this whole, um, we can't have this naive optimism about tech. You know, can your technology potentially harm the general public? And if so, what are you doing to mitigate that risk? Also, in terms of leadership, it's not just tech, it's just not just technically and, and operationally, are you doing the right thing, but also socially. The same way, we push the limits in terms of what our technology can do. We also need to push from a social impact perspective in terms of what we can contribute to improving today's social issues. With, with that type of leadership, those are the types of companies that people are going to want to work for. Those are the types of companies what, that are going to expand their client base. And, and those are the technology companies that are going to lead the industry. 
Mm. Yeah, much more of a sort of holistic view of what it means to be a leader rather than a leader in a specific industry or something like that. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah. And um, you, you've done a lot of uh, work to help women in technology and business, and we'll come on to that in a moment. But I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on some of the sort of campaigns that are around sort of the, the gender gap and diversity within the industry um, and how they are approached. So, for example, the number of women working in IT hasn't really moved uh, or increased that much for, for many years. Do you think there's too much focus on constantly restating that problem? You know, we see it in the headlines all the time and, and, and it comes up constantly, the gender gap in IT. Do you think that we focus too much on the problem rather than looking at uh, possible solutions? Yeah, there, there's so many people that genuinely want to address the diversity issue. It's always good to really focus on specific, measurable solutions that address the root cause and also the systemic issues. In my experience, it's really about initiatives that are going to build, sustain, and really strengthen a diverse talent pipeline. I, I also think that the focus needs to really start at the top. And for me, that means diversity in terms of our leadership teams, board of directors, management committees. At, at Hive, across our governing and advisory board, it's 30% it's Black, it's 60% people of color. We, we didn't set out any targets. It, there, there wasn't even really a conscious effort. It just happened because qualified candidates that were also diverse were already a part of our pipeline. They were already part of our community. They, they were already on our radar. So when the opportunity arose, we already knew the best people for a particular role and they just happened to be a person of color. It was, a, so this whole uh, way of doing diversity was already embedded in the fabric of our culture. I know a lot, a lot of organizations aren't as far along in, in that journey as, as we are, but I also, I've never believed in, in quotas or, or even in diversity candidate lists for hiring because the, the issue with those is that it can really become a, a tick in the box type of an exercise. I, I vividly remember people making it a, a tick in the box exercise at one particular organization I used to work for. I, I remember we were hiring for a technology role and I mentioned the name of a person that I knew that I thought would be good for the role. And his name was obviously one of somebody that had a, a Southeast Asian background. And I'll never forget it. One of, one of the women that would also have a part of the interview process, she said, oh, great, we, we know we want to hire somebody else, but let's bring him in to interview because at least we can tick the box needing to interview a diversity candidate. And I can't say I was shocked, but uh, you know, I eventually left that organization because there were just too many examples of that type of attitude and behavior of, towards diversity, which can be so demoralizing to experience. And that type of behavior does a disservice for how we approach these mm. campaigns. And, and these are the types of behaviors that really need to be addressed and dealt with within organizations. Mm, definitely and I think you know I was gonna I was gonna mention about quotas actually and you know sometimes those types of things you know people apply for the jobs and and have the skills and qualities that they have and so obviously they should be 
um, you know, hired based on that. But I think with, with quotas and things in place, it just muddies that water a bit and, and makes it a bit unclear, you know, did I get the job because of what I have or because of who I am? And, and it, yeah, and that's a really difficult line, definitely. Um, now, you've done some really uh, good stuff to help women in technology and business and set up some really good organisations. You've got um, Tech Women Today and also Ladies Who Launch. Can you tell us a bit about these organisations and how they kind of came to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many great organisations out there that, that focus on uh, female entrepreneurs and also women in tech. So I didn't want to create just another one. Um, but one of the key objectives of Tech Women Today and Ladies Who Launch It, it is to build, sustain, and strengthen a pipeline of women in technology, in the case of Tech Women Today, and female entrepreneurs, in the case of Ladies Who Launch. I, I really wanted to start organizations that provided women with the resources that they needed in order to be successful. So for Tech Women Today, uh, with with that, I really wanted to expand the definition of what it means to be a woman in tech. You don't necessarily have to be a coder or a programmer. There's so many different roles that you can play and, and still have a role in technology. You could be a project manager, a business analyst, a designer, so many different roles. And also across so many different industries, you don't necessarily have to be at a, a technology company. You could be working in art. You could be working in fashion. You could be working in healthcare and, and still have a, a tech focused role. So, and I think really expanding that definition of what it means to be a woman in tech is, is going to contribute towards increasing the number of women entering the industry and also remaining in the industry. So that, that was a, a key part of, of starting Tech Women Today. And I wanted to start an organization that provided uh, a resource for also non-technical female entrepreneurs that needed to leverage technology in order to grow and scale their business. So that's another aspect of Tech Women Today. For, for ladies who launch, once I started to get involved in different entrepreneurial circles, uh, I, I started to come in contact with a lot of women in particular who had great ideas, great drive, and, and really wanted to start their own business for, for numerous reasons to to really improve their lives, improve the lives of their family, to, to really be independent. And, and I saw so many examples where they didn't have access to, to many networks, um, as many of our male counterparts, and you know, opportunities to funding, preparing themselves for investment opportunities and funding. So I really wanted to, similarly to what with Tech Women Today, was create that organization where it provides people with access to, to those to those resources. So both are, are really a conduit that provide equal access to opportunities and resources that can help women to be successful. But I think the most valuable aspect, in my opinion, is that the women are a resource for, for one another. It's the sense of community in which they can leverage their own contacts and their own resources to, to help one another to be successful. And I think there's no greater reward than to, to see and celebrate the success of another woman. So hopefully companies will partner with and champion these types of initiatives that are trying to address the pipeline challenges. Because by partnering with these types of organizations, especially technology companies, 
they can significantly improve their diversity goals by plugging into programming that already exists and that's already working. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an incredible thing that you've done. I absolutely loved kind of finding out about all those different um, projects and, and what they're contributing to that. So that's that's really amazing work. And um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is your kind of um, personal style of leadership. How would you kind of describe your style of leadership? Um, I'm definitely quite people focused. I love taking a, a genuine interest in the professional and personal development of my team, building relationships, not only directly with my team, but just with, with everybody that I, that I come across, that I work with. I just feel that that's so important. Um, I love for people to really understand who I am as a person and, and as a leader. I like to understand you know, how we can create partnerships and synergies amongst one another. So definitely people focused, um, also execution focused. I, I like to think of myself as a, a, a practical execution focused visionary, if that makes any sense. I, I don't believe in having naive optimism when it comes to technology and just thinking that, you know, we'll just build something. If anything happens along the way, oh, well, tech can be a great enabler, but it can also be a, a weapon of mass destruction. I think that as leaders, we need to be quite focused in terms of how we're going about evolving our tech. And, and also, I think, a, so lastly, a key aspect of my type of leadership is definitely, I, I view leadership as a form of service and that you really need to have this sense of duty about your role as a leader. You're you have a responsibility to your team, your board, your shareholders, your clients, and, and just the overall industry. Um, so you really have to put yourself, you have to put others rather before yourself and and really have a role and a genuine interest in the personal and professional development of your team members. So that really fits under the umbrella of responsible leadership, how I like to call it. Mm, definitely. And now those team members that you mentioned obviously might be sort of aspiring leaders themselves in some way. And, um, you know, there's a whole journey to go on before you become a leader on paper. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of courses and stuff like that that you can do for, for leadership. But how how would you um, or how did you or how would you recommend that someone can kind of enhance their leadership skills on like a day to day basis? Is there anything you think um, kind of worked well for you? One of the key things for me was uh, just examples of, of people who I thought were for good leaders and, and also bad leaders and just really observing that. I think that's something that really helped me. You know, I would study the behaviors and, and just the actions and just how people how people reacted to both good leaders and bad leaders. And then, you know, I saw examples where it's like, wow, you know, that's that's the type of leader I want to be. And then I saw examples of, okay, whoa, don't I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> uh, so I, I just think that really studying leadership in that regard and taking the aspects that one are, are genuine to you. You don't want to take on behaviors that aren't authentic to, to what you believe and, and, and how you would react to, to various situations. So I think taking on those behaviors that, that you want to emulate and, 
that you feel are inspiring and that you feel are going to help you to leave a legacy. That That's what's always worked for me. Mm, that's really good advice, actually. That's awesome. And you mentioned about, you know, um, picking out some uh, behaviours and people that you kind of um, respected and looked up to. Were there any leaders that you do kind of um, look up to? And, and why, why, why is that? Yeah, it was quite a, oh gosh, it's a laundry list. Um, off the top of my head, a few, definitely. From a, from a technology company perspective, um, Pat Gelsinger, who's actually the CEO of VMware. I mean, Pat is, you know, runs a massive company. Um, he's definitely worked hard to get there, but, but Pat's just a decent human being. He, he genuinely believes in this concept of technology for good and, you know, how we as an industry can be a, an organization, be, a, be an industry that, that's using our tech in a positive way. He has solid values. Um, he's somebody that speaks openly about his faith, which I, which I also admire. And then just as leaders, as people, we need something that, that anchors us and keeps us humble and grounded. And, and that's definitely Pat. I call him, he's, uh, he's like, I call him like the Bono of technology. He's just so cool while at the same time um, inspiring and, and grounded. Uh, also, Edward Enifel, who's the editor of British Vogue, I just seeing what he's done in terms of just showing the amazing diversity across the fashion industry and and showing that, especially within the United Kingdom, um, just the amazing talent and just taking, uh, taking a, a magazine in an industry which we wouldn't normally think is is that diverse because we don't see enough images of it. And in a short amount of time, what he's done to, to demonstrate that, not only within the pages of British Vogue, but, but also just within the organization um, and establishing that has just been phenomenal. And I think it's such an example that organi other organizations can follow no matter what industry you're in. Um, Oprah is, is a is somebody who I think is a great leader and that she's created these platforms that help others and really encourage people to constantly evolve and be the best version of themselves. And uh, finally, and it's, it's someone that people don't really mention that often is Her Majesty the Queen. Um, I think somebody who's had that longevity, somebody who definitely has a, a sense of duty and is, has reigned with such, in such a dignified manner and it is so well respected globally, uh, is, is just absolutely an am amazing example of a leader. So when, when I think that those are sort of, you know, my sort of top list in terms of behaviors and, and characteristics that, that I would want to emulate as a leader um, that really just helps to bring people together, bring people other communities and just really leveraging your, your powers for good and you know that's mm. really what I think a leader is that's awesome thank you and you you mentioned kind of the need to constantly evolve there and obviously the circumstances that we're in now with COVID-19 means that lots of organizations are dealing with constant change and uncertainty do you think that this current situation has changed what people want to see from leadership I don't think that the current situation has changed what 
people want to see from a leader, I do think that it's going to make it necessary rather than a, a nice to have around those qualities. People have always wanted their leaders to have integrity, to be authentic, empathetic, accountable, and, and also action-oriented. These are qualities that are going to help navigate organizations during turbulent times, such as the ones that we're seeing now. Also, it's not going to be about simply leading internally, but also the broader industry or, or the broader community. So from a leadership perspective, it's, you know, what do you believe in? What do you stand for? What do you stand against? As, as a tech company at, at Hive, we wanted to take on that role of bringing together different companies and organizations to address issues that impact the broader community. So when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we knew our, our sensor technology could address certain aspects of that problem, but also we wanted to partner and just bring together other organizations that could also could potentially help bring about solutions, even if we weren't directly involved. And I think that's the type of leadership that we're going to need going forward, especially for technology companies, because usually we have the resources that can really make an impact, a positive impact in terms of delivering the positive change that's needed to really get us through difficult times in society. So that's another dimension, I think, that should have already been there and people should have already been doing, but I think that that's something that's going to be even more necessary going forward. Mm. And you mentioned about speaking up and and kind of being a, a positive uh, change for, for things that you believe in. And obviously, as well as the pandemic situation that we've got going on at the moment, we're also seeing a lot more around the social issues and governance. And in particular, you know, the issues on Black Lives Matter and the responses that organisations are giving and, and, the, well, and individuals as well and the kind of uncertainty of, um, you know, uh, or or unease around what's the right thing to say and and so how do you think we can address that in technology because technology is obviously an industry which is aiming to be more and more diverse itself true i i, I think the days are gone where leaders especially technology leaders uh can be indifferent or or silent about social issues such as denouncing racism and and doing more to improve diversity at all levels. So it, it truly reflects the world that we live in. So more and more people are, are asking, you know, show me your board of directors, show me what your leadership team looks like. I think that's a key aspect where, where many technology companies are really going to have to, to look at that because that's where decisions are made. That's where strategy is defined. And, and ultimately that's where the power sits. So I, I think that that needs to be a key area that really needs to reflect what our outside world also looks like. I think also it's about empathizing and, and just engaging the, the broader community uh, about topics such as this. We're going to have to get, it's about being comfortable with, with being uncomfortable because it's only until you really push beyond that comfort zone do you start to achieve start to achieve growth and progress. That's we've got to start having these discussions that we, we haven't had or that people are uncomfortable having because it's the only way 
that we're, we're truly going to bring about any sort of change or understand what really needs to be done in order to make an impact. Mm. I really like that idea, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's a, a really good way to put it. I think you're right. I think that the change is happening so much now. You can't just kind of um, sit back and watch it happen. You've got to get involved. And if it is outside your comfort zone, then then yes, yeah, so be it. I think that's a, a great way to look at it. Um, yeah, now I just wanted to um, speak about your, your current organisation, Hive Dynamics. So you took that organisation from what was originally just a collection of six years worth of research and you took that into a, a fully fledged kind of commercially viable organisation. Now I want to talk um, in a minute a little bit about the responsibility and accountability that comes with moving an organisation forward like that. But before we do, can you just tell us a little bit about um, Hive Dynamics and, and the work of the organisation? Yeah, so at Hive we're a sensor technology company, which is one of the fastest growing areas of, of tech right now. So with our sensors, they're um, really at the cutting edge of, of what people are doing around sensor tech, the flexibility of them, the ability to embed them in pretty much any type of surface. So within clothing, within cars, airplanes, um, you name it, uh, just it's pretty much, it, we, we've yet to find something where we can um, have the inability to, to work with our sensor technology. The, the COVID-19 pandemic was one area where it was, we, you know, we, we definitely saw that how our technology could be used to address challenges such as this in terms of the sensors being able to be used to identify certain vital abnormalities. Um, if somebody experiencing a, a spike in temperature, somebody experiencing um, other types of abnormalities around their vitals. And, and also just in terms of this overall healthcare um, and being able to use the sensors in a way where we can move towards a, a world of remote monitoring capabilities. So we're not putting further capacity constraints on our health institutions, such as the NHS or, or other health organizations. And we can create more equal access to opportunities around healthcare services. So it's something where understanding how our technology can be used in a way to help elevate the lives of people, businesses, and societies has just been something that's so powerful. And it's something that within the organization, we all really rally around. One of the things I, I say to the team is when we're thinking about, okay, what should we do next? What can we do next with our technology? And I, you know, I start with uh, imagine a world. And, you know, imagine a world where we can do X. Imagine a world where we can we no longer have to do Y. Imagine a world where we can, you know, do so much more. Our technology can help us to, to get to that reality. So it, it, it's quite an inspiring place to, to work and, it, and just an inspirational thing to be a part of. Um, such a strong team and then just in leading that team is just a privilege mm. and a great example of you know how technology can have a, a positive impact on society as well and 
And so responsibility and accountability are, are a big part of leadership at all times, not just kind of getting the organisation off the ground. And um, the um, annual kind of Edelman Trust Barometer this year shows that, in fact, the global tech sector has suffered the largest drop in trust across all of the 15 industries surveyed or, or came joint with entertainment anyway. And it fell four points between 2019 and 2020. So it seems as though, you know, people are, are having a declining trust in, in technology. So how do you think uh, leaders can kind of take responsibility for increasing the trust again? Mm -hmm. I, I think as you grow, the biggest challenge is always retaining a culture of trust and integrity. There's what I call the, the level one, sort of the basic way of looking at trust, where it's things like, do you have the right controls in place? You know, do you have the the right protocols in place, processes, procedures, things like that. A, a lot of things very operational in nature. Then there is the behavioral way of looking at trust. Is there a blame culture within your organization? Is there a meritocracy? Are people not exhibiting the right behaviors held accountable for that? Do you have leaders that are taking a stance on social issues and, and being authentic about it and actioning those issues, those items? So people are no longer going to accept sort of the typical leadership qualities and actions that you would sort of get out of your traditional corporate training uh, type of uh, course. Walking the floor, an open door policy, I mean, those aren't really going to holds weight for a lot of people anymore and how people look at their leaders and, and if they truly trust them there's going to have to be a lot more in terms of the behavioral side of how we look at trust yeah and i think you know we everyone can kind of contribute to that um that increase of trust again by by using some of those things and that that's really good and you mentioned about a, a blame culture and meritocracy and and some of these things that are not so good for for company culture um what what do you hope for tech culture going forward or what does good look like for you yeah i think um truly being a force for good and, and leveraging your technology in a, in a positive way so applying resources for social good leaders that are using their platforms as as leaders to, to to unite communities both internally and externally also technology that's helping to protect the public i think is is a key thing i mean of of course as, as a leader you're, you're focused on the commercial aspects of your tech but as we've seen we also need to focus on those aspects of our tech that can be damaging to the broader community and make sure that we're, we're doing the right things and that we're planning for things that can go wrong when it comes to our technology. And, and lastly, I, I think it's diversity at all levels and, and truly making sure that it's, it's a representation of what we see out in the world. I, that's sort of my view of, of what it would be in order, what tech would be great to look like. That's tech culture going forward that would be good. Mm, absolutely well that's the end of our questions so thank you uh, so much for your time do you have anything coming up that you'd like to um give a shout out to uh to anyone listening at all uh nothing specific but you know with with what we're doing with with hive dynamics in particular we're 
as as I said, like we're always looking to create that sense of community and to bring together people from other tech organizations, other companies, people within areas of the government that really want to work together to make tech a force for good and to understand what are those solutions that we can work together as a broader community in, in order to help the, the wider uh, community with, with all of these different issues that we are dealing with, especially. So it's really about making a social impact and, and we really wanna to bring together those different organizations. So, so please um, reach out um, to, to us directly because we're, we're looking at bring, putting together various programs and, and initiatives that are really going to make a positive impact and, and bring about some, some positive change uh, that tech is bringing to the to the industry and and just the wider beyond tech world. Do you have um, Twitter or uh, a URL for the webpage or anything you want to share for people to kind of check it out further? Yes, uh, definitely go to our our social media at Hive Dynamics. Uh, you can reach out to us that way, and then also there's definitely our, our website and, and reaching us there www.hivedynamics.com. Thank you so much, Cecilia, for your time. Thank you so much. That concludes another episode of the Gem of All Mechanisms. If you're interested in hearing more, we've got episodes with guests, including ethics expert Luciano Floridi, tech pioneer Dame Stephanie Shirley, and Rupert McNeil, the government's chief people officer. You can find them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search the Gem of All Mechanisms. This series is brought to you by BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT, You can find out more about our work at bcs.org. Thanks for listening.